Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Kim Harris, entrepreneur, businesswoman, visionary, role model, and my guest today. She's the founder and managing partner of Painting It Red, a New York-based event and marketing company that conceptualizes, plans, and produces world-class multi-million dollar corporate entertainment and marketing events. NBA All-Stars, Super Bowl, and Grammy Award weekends, benefit concerts, charity auctions, major product launches, to name just a few. An admitted foodie, Kim has been a consultant on restaurant openings in cities throughout the U.S. And then there's her latest venture, Harlem Hops, the first 100% African-American-owned craft beer bar located in the heart of Harlem. When Kim and her two partners, Kevin Bradford and Stacey Lee, opened Harlem Hops in 2018, their goal was to bring incredible beers to an incredible neighborhood, which includes craft, local, and world beers, and international pub grub. Needless to say, mission accomplished and more. The trio started a 501c3 foundation called Harlem Hopes, which provides scholarships to offset the cost of higher education at historically Black colleges and universities, HBCUs. Kim, Kevin, and Stacy are themselves HBCU graduates. So let's meet and get to know Kim Harris. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me remotely from Harlem today. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. It's a pleasure to finally meet you in person. Well, <laughs> I feel the same. I'm going to ask you an interesting question. Who was Kim Harris back in the day? When you were growing up, what was it that you wanted to be? And did you grow up in New York City in Harlem? Yes. Actually, I did grow up in Harlem. I grew up on 126th Street in Broadway in Manhattanville Projects. And as a kid, I think I was just always wanting to explore. I loved traveling. I loved, you know, like my parents would send me away and I would go away very willingly just to have a different experience. And they were like, you would never like, you you know, like maybe my brother, he wanted to stay at home and I would be like, no, I want to go somewhere. I want to travel. I want to do things. Um, I used to look at my globe and spin it around and pick places that I wanted to travel to when I had an opportunity. How young were you when you went, you took your first trip and where'd you go? From what my parents tell me, I went to Canada when I was one years old. Oh, (laughs) and (laughs) that was like my first real trip. But then I remember my, my mom is from West Virginia and I would fly to West Virginia. Like I started flying by myself when I was about six, seven years old. Wow. Wow. To visit visit extended family? Yeah, to visit my grandmother and my cousins in West Virginia. And, you know, they would put me on the plane. And that's the time when they, you know, the airlines really look out for you. And you have somebody on the other end. Stewardesses were very, yes, were very conscious of who you were. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother would be right there at the gate, ready to pick me up. And I was just so excited for the, the, the summer. But yeah, as a kid, I would just like exploring, you know, driving around the city with my dad and went to school in Harlem. I just was eager to grow up and be something, something. I didn't know what it was going to be. I actually wanted to uh, be a doctor most of my life. I went to school for medicine. But um, by the time I was like a junior in college, uh, I knew that medicine wasn't for me. Um, The healthcare industry as it was and as it is, is not 
wasn't my mission. My mission is to help people and not put on a Band-Aid and, and, and just not, I wanted to find the root of the problem. So it's Where'd you always, go to college? I went to Clark Atlanta University. Okay. So again, you left home. Yes, mm-hmm. I did leave home. <laughs> and, and tried another part of the country. Yes, yes. And um, I wor- worked for a pharmaceutical company for a little while, and then I decided to come back to New York. Something was in me to come to New York, and I came to New York, and, you know, I tried to stay in pharmaceutical. It just wasn't working out. And I was working at an internet company. We did online medical billing, and our biggest client was Enron. So, <laughs> so the mighty have fallen, right, right Kim? Oh, yes. So I was laid off. And as soon as I was laid off, I was walking out the building and the receptionist, she was like, you should do events. And I was looking at her like, what makes you think I should do events? And she was like, you just have the personality for huh. it. So from there, like I started doing events and just maybe about a, two years after that, I started my own company. And what year was that, Kim? That was in 2002. So it's almost been 20 years. So you were in your early 20s when you gave birth to Painting It Red. Yes, I was. Yep. So there was something, whether it was from your parents or or in yourself, that you knew you could do things and that nothing was going to stand in your way. You know, kind of a, a determined young woman, right? Very determined. Very determined. That's a nice trait to have. Yes, it's always determination to succeed and be successful and never, you know, never doubt myself. And now it's, you know, constantly you have to reinforce that because you have so many things around you that tell you to doubt yourself. But I'm like, it's never failed before. So why would it fail now? <laughs> right. So it's, a, it's always taking a leap and and, and knowing that there's going to be some type of ground to fall on or water or a parachute, anything that's going to keep you afloat. Right. But you can certainly dust yourself off and stand yes. up. And so, first of all, how did you come up with painting it red? That's an interesting name. Well, it, it's kind of a playoff of painting the town red. Ah, mm-hmm. yeah. The story behind that is, you know, basically it's just, you know, creating a scene, a night and, and having and painting the town red, exploring the town and just, you know, setting it on fire. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, that's what I was. Uh, that's what I used to do. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Sandy, when I had it in me, I was out in these streets, girl. But <laughs> I was doing parties here in New York City, um, and then I wanted to explore to other cities, so that's how I got into doing stuff with NBA All-Star and NFL Weekends, creating travel packages um, and experiences during those weekends, and um, I kept doing that and and just, you know, after my first NBA All-Star Weekend, I quit my job because I was like, oh, I made my, my year's salary in maybe with a two months of planning. <laughs> so here, so in other words, painting it red was like a sideline for you at the very beginning. In the very beginning, yes, yes. Um, so you still um, had a nine-to-five job. Yes, I was working in, for a nonprofit organization in the South Bronx, and I was running a smoking cessation program for the Bronx, and it was focused on children, the youth, and and you know, the um, predators, like the tobacco companies that were preying on the youth and by putting signage up and eye level to the kids. So it was right before New York City became smoke-free. 
And um, we worked hard with um, getting New York City smoke-free. So mm-hmm. that's what I was doing at the time. And then um, I left that position as a program manager and asked them if I could just do their events, their fundraising events instead. And yeah, that's pretty much how it started. And it's been going, going, going. So you, it's still very much a part of your life, painting it red. Yes, yes. Right now we're doing um, virtual events. Oh, no kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm producing a virtual event right now for, and we have like three events coming up. But yeah, that's exactly what um, I do. And before COVID, I was traveling all over producing events. Um, Solo, it was Kim, great. or did you no. have... You have I, have a, I have a business. I have a business partner. We uh, we no, we really don't have a staff. We usually hire. Um, you know, I don't have a staff like I do at the bar. We usually um, contract people to work with us for every project that we do. So sashay over to food, as I mentioned, that you are a foodie. And so, what did that mean exactly? Consulting on restaurant openings. When I got into the event production business, I knew that I wanted to open up a restaurant or a bar, whatever it was. I wanted to get, I wanted to have a venue. And um, I went to restaurant management school. And when I went to restaurant management school, like I just learned everything about the industry. You know, you learn about the cooking side, you learn about the front end, the back end, you learn every aspect of it, which was you know, helpful to me. And then when I would meet, when I met people that were opening restaurants, I used my event skills as well as my restaurant management skills to kind of assist with that. And it just gave me, informed me more on what I needed to do and what I needed to look out for when it got to the point that I was able to open up my space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then comes Harlem Hops. But that's relatively new in your life, isn't it? Yes. So talk about the genesis of and the birth of this of this really great craft beer bar. In the 20 years that I've had painting it red, there were two years that I had to get a, a job. And I worked for um, an organization called the ASPCA. And I did their um, their events. And this is like when stock market crashed, you know, like everything just went crazy. And I was like, okay, so now I need a job because I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the money that I, the way I've been making it. Right. So um, I got this job and then I got laid off again. It's always about me getting laid off. <laughs> <laughs> First time I got laid off, I started painting it red. Now I get laid off and I kind of get into the beer industry. So the day that I was laid off, a guy calls me and he was like, hey, I want to work on this beer show and I want you to work with me on it. And I was like, "Okay," you know, like I don't have anything to do. Sure, sure. I'm available. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, we started I started helping him with this beer show and it just I had this idea to do like, you know, this whole website marketing towards bars that have beer and if with that, I was like, oh, let me start going to these bars. Let me start frequenting these bars and let me start tasting this beer. And as I started tasting more and more beer, le- learning it more about it and loving it, being in Harlem, especially, I found myself traveling to Brooklyn and Queens to get better beer. And um, because why Harlem just didn't quite we we didn't have it. No one was serving it. You know, like everybody would sell 
nothing that was local. You know, everyone was selling stuff that was just imported beer, you know, like something Belgian or, or you know, German or anything like that. Okay. But no one was selling local New York craft beer or even crap U.S. craft beer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, I went out to Brooklyn and I found this place called Beer Craft. It's in, it was in Park Slope and it felt like I was in heaven. It was like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> a beer store. It had, you know, rows and rows of beers and it had taps. You can get crawlers. Like I was just like, oh my gosh. So from there, I really identified like there is, there's no good beer in Harlem. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. maybe I should do a beer bar in Harlem. And um, I talked to one of my best friends. I call her my big sister. She lived in Atlanta. And I said, I want to do a beer bar in Harlem. And she was like, you should do it. And I said, okay. <laughs> and this year, and this is what, 2018-ish, 2019? When was, was it? like, no, this had to be, this was in 2012. Oh, so when that seed was first planted, that's that, when, yeah. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, 2012. And then I started writing a business plan. And then I started another business. <laughs> you mean you put that off to the side? I put it off to the side and started another business. And I did that. I'd had a management company, a talent management company. And I did that for about two years. And then like 2014, I picked up that that business plan again. And then I said, well, maybe I should maybe I should do this. So then I started looking at spaces and, you know, just being a little more... Um, I put more energy into it. Yeah, like being a little bit more into it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I guess like 2015 or 16, I was really, you know, really into it. Like really like full-fledged, had to revamp the business plan, figured out the neighborhood that we wanted to be in, like all the things. And um, I had a different group of partners at that time. And it was all men. At first, it started off as maybe doing a beer store. And I was like, well, I had this idea for a beer bar, but, you know, like, I can start off with a beer store. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at spaces. And as time progressed, people just started falling. Like, everybody was, it was like four of us. And then somebody was like, oh, I'm going to pull out. Then another person pulled out. And then it was just me and one other person. And we kept on looking for another partner that can help finance it. And as that time progressed, I realized that I felt like I was the only one doing work at the time. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't feel like my partner was um, pulling the weight. Or that committed. I was doing, yeah. And, and, and I was investing everything at that time. So he decided, because at one point he just said that he wanted to buy me out of basically everything. And I was like, how can you buy me out of something that I created? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it's not yours to buy. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I'll just walk away from this partnership and start over. Before I made that decision, um, I was working with Stacy on an event. We were touring the country doing these events. And I was telling her, you know, of all the woes that I was going through with my business partner. And she said, you know, I'd be interested in helping you with this venture. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And then the day I decided to walk away from the initial partnership, the next day I met my um, second business partner, Kevin. And we met through our mutual restaurant consultant, Jason Wallace. And Jason was my teacher when I went to restaurant management school. 
And he's also now a restaurant consultant. And um, he said to me, I met this guy, or I'm working with a guy that wants to do the same exact concept as you. And I think you should probably meet each other and see if you can work together. I asked him if I can meet him that day. <laughs> you all kind of gelled, in other we words. We gelled immediately. You know, he, uh, he, he wanted me to meet his wife. I met his wife. Then Stacy came and we all sat down and had a meeting. Oddly enough, his wife, who went to Howard University, another HBCU, and Stacy's brother went to the school at, together at the same time. So they knew each other. Oh, this getting college. incestuous, huh? Right, right, <laughs> right. So it was like, it felt like kismet. The energy was yeah. there. Everybody felt like, okay, let's get it together and let's let's get this paperwork organized and get rid of the, everything that has started and start all over again. And oddly enough, when I walked away at that time, I walked away from my partnership. He still had the lease for that the space that we're in now. And he ended up giving up the lease probably around March. Kevin and Stacy and I, we all decided to do this at the end of 2016. But by March of 2017, the landlord called me and said, the space is available again. And he said, if you want to take it, let me renovate it first and then you can take it. And I was like, wow. Okay. So when I had left it, it was completely demolished. So the landlord basically helped us a lot in saving a lot of money. And um, he gave us a vanilla box space, which is just, you know, white walls. And then from there, we just um, took over and made this beautiful copper and, and concrete space that's just so warm. And people equate it to having a womb-like feeling. You, you feel like you're being hugged. The design of the space is amazing. I couldn't have asked for anything better. And um, just the atmosphere, everybody that our staff is so warm and welcoming. Uh, you know, my partners, everybody is like from the South and they're very, you know. Oh, sure. That, sure. You get that Southern feeling when you walk in there. Yeah, it's this hospitality that is unmatched and something that you don't really get at your regular beer bars in New York City. It's very either sterile or. Well, they don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly. So we wanted to create an experience for people to appreciate beer if they didn't know about beer. And those that know about beer have a, you know, a cool space to, to be at and bring your date and not feel like it's so this is, for the guys. Um, so this is slightly embarrassing for me because I don't know very much about beer. I'm not a beer drinker. And that's only because I've never found a beer that tasted good to me. Everything tasted medicinal to me. I wouldn't know a craft beer from a non-craft beer, but but that was what your goal was, right. uh, wasn't it? It was to kind of elevate the product and bring it to Harlem because it wasn't in Harlem before, correct? Yeah, exactly. How did you do that? Did you import craft beer? Do you make your own craft beer? I really am such a novice about this. No worries. My business partner, Kevin, he is like the curate, the beer curator for our bar. And when we got together, he's like, Kim, we're just going to do mainly New York based breweries. That's all we're going to focus on. And I was like, OK, Kevin, like, I trust you because you know about beer. He's been drinking craft beer since like the 80s. So since craft beer became a thing, like when Sam Adams first started, you know, I trusted him and leaned on him for his advice. And one of the ways we bonded was we traveled throughout the city to different breweries, 
meeting the owners, learning more about their beers, and asking them to give us an opportunity to be able to get their beers into Harlem. Because a lot of them weren't distributing in Harlem. You know, a lot of these places self-distribute. They don't distribute in Harlem. And um, that's how we built those relationships. And honestly, like, we try to find distributors that offer the best craft beer that you can get. But my partner spends his weekends traveling to a lot of breweries, picking up beer every weekend. And that keeps us ahead of the game because most of the time you can't get this beer unless you go to the brewery. And we have really good beers here in this New York area, especially upstate New York, Hudson Valley area. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, in Brooklyn and Queens, there's great beer. But yeah, we curate menus based off of what the scene is into right now. And sometimes we introduce people to new beers that they never imagined and people trust us have come to trust us for being able to select the better beers and that's what helps us stand out from all the rest because some people just buy beer from distributors and gotcha it's the same beer that everybody else is selling so it gives us the ability to have exclusive beer which is what our focus was always we just wanted to be exclusive and give harlem the best that new york city has to offer or New York has to offer. And, you know, this year we had an opportunity to collaborate with a lot of these breweries and doing these beer collaborations with them. Because we're not a brewery, we're able to collaborate with them in a way where we have input into the style of what it is that we want. And also we get to use some of the proceeds from the sales of those beers to go to our nonprofit organization, Harlem Hopes. And this year, our focus was to highlight Black-owned breweries and Black brewers in this area. And we did really well. And, you know, we just did a, an amazing beer with Hackensack Brewery. Hackensack from Hackensack, Brewery New Company. Jersey? Yes, Hackensack, New oh, Jersey. Oh, that's, that's five minutes from my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So you got to stop by there one day. Hopefully you can try something that you well, might like. Well, I can like. look at the beer. <laughs> <laughs> we did a collaboration with them, and it's called Harlem to Hackensack. And it's um, a stout. It's a dessert stout. And it's got um, coconut, cacao nibs. It's got coffee. It's it's really good. It's a smooth dessert beer. It's 11% alcohol. And it ended up being like um, better than we imagined because for me personally, I'm, I like stouts, but I've been, I don't really like pastry stouts because they tend to be a little too desserty and like on the sweeter side. But this the the flavor was were so balanced in this one. It was just like, okay, this is this is exactly what I would want in a dessert beer. And the next beer that we're coming out with, it's what I call a love letter to HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. And it's called Harlem Hope's Homecoming. And it's like homecoming in a can because a lot of the HBCUs have had to um, cancel their homecomings this year because of this new virus strain. And we just want to make sure that everybody's safe. So we're coming out with a beer with Brooklyn Brewery and Garrett Oliver, which is their brewmaster. In terms of beer for me, he's always been like the god of beer. Um, he's like the first black brother that I knew of making beer and being successful at it. I mean, I know you've heard of Brooklyn brewery and you know, their story is just one that I've always admired. And that was before I even got into beer. 
Garrett said that he agreed to uh, doing this beer for us. And that was big for us. So we have a porter that's coming out and proceeds for that will also go to our Harlem Hope Scholarship. And the scholarship is for Harlem students that want to attend historically Black colleges or universities. No, that's terrific. E, please forgive this question that's fairly naive. At Harlem Hops, you sell bottles and cans of craft beer. I can come in and buy beer from you in addition to coming in and spending an evening drinking beer at right. Harlem Hops. Yes, you can definitely buy cans and or bottles to go. Mm-hmm. And have you married this with food? Yes, we sell bites. We're not a restaurant. I want to be clear that we're a beer bar. But we sell bites that pair well with the beer. We have um, pretzels, Bavarian-style pretzels, huge pretzels. Then we have pretzel bites also. We have sausages, different sausages. Um, some of the sausages we source from Black-owned businesses. Uh, there's a jerk sausage that we have, a Jamaican jerk sausage that we have. And we also source these hand pies. They're called guma pies. And they're like meat, seafood, or chicken and vegetable options for those. He's a Ugandan brother based out of Virginia. And um, we have a salmon pastrami sandwich that we also source from another Black company in Philadelphia. Everything is craft. So we want to focus on Black-owned businesses. And we also want to focus on, you know, just people of color, women-owned businesses. Just, Fabulous. Yeah. Just the, you know, everything being small batch, crafted, and given an opportunity for people to expand their minds instead of, you know, lo- knowing that there's an opportunity to buy from smaller companies and you still can see those profits. Big businesses, they're they're making all the money. <laughs> yeah, duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's like, let's give other people an opportunity. So we don't sell like mainstream brands. Like we have a full liquor license and we don't sell like some of those mainstream brands because it's just, it doesn't make sense to us to keep on selling the same thing that everybody so else There's no Budweiser in Harlem Hops. Definitely, yeah. definitely not. How did the community embrace you? I remember people before leading up to when we were opening, my business partner's wife was like, are we, you know, like, how is this going to work? Like, is it going to be, are we going to have people there? You think people are going to come? And I was just like, in my head, I never even really thought about how many people are going to come. I just wanted to get this thing done. (laughs) Well, that's your background. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Exactly. So I said, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And the day that we opened, there was a line wrapped around the block the whole night. Oh my gosh. And I was this just word of mouth? We had a sign up, but I, I think a lot of it was word of mouth. I don't know how, but when I came out, I was like, you guys know we're just a beer bar, right? <laughs> we're not giving anything beer. away for free. Yeah. You know, and they're like, it's okay, we'll wait. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I just couldn't have asked for a warmer welcome. Wow. And, you know, consistently it has been like that for us. And even through COVID, like we were closed for one day during COVID and we closed like the day they changed everything. So we can change our business model to become, you know, uh, like a store mainly, you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. we were just doing to go and take out. And we had a crawler machine, which is like a growler, but it's a can. So you can get a 32 ounce beer that we sell on draft and we'll seal it in a can and you could take it home. So, 
you know, during COVID, people were just always coming by, grabbing a couple of crawlers for the week or the day, right, whatever sure. it is. To get and through the week and get through the day. Exactly. And um, that kept us up and running. Like my business partner, Kevin, he was out on his bike delivering beer. He's a school teacher and um, he was out of school. So he spent his days, you know, delivering beers. And um, some of our staff stayed on and just stayed there and helped us get through COVID. We sold some pretzel bites, just threw some pretzel bites in there with it and just kept it going. So the neighborhood has always been very... um, welcoming of us mm. um they appreciate us being there because it, like i said we're not like everyone else and um it's just a different opportunity and it, you would be surprised like how many women come and it's something you dream of and when you see it you're like wow this is really working do you get a lot of non-neighborhood folk oh yeah we have a lot of people that come from they tr- they travel from all over Wow. You know, there are people that come from Europe that they're oh like, my God. oh, we've heard about this. <laughs> like, you know, we've had some amazing press. Like, we've been in airline magazines. We've been in the New Yorker, Today Show. Just so many opportunities that we've gotten exposure about what is we're doing because it is something that hasn't been done in Harlem before. And people hear about us and they travel to come here, especially within our network of historically Black colleges. Like, Everyone that knows this is like, oh, you know, it's a point for them to come to New York. And when they come to New York, they have to stop. by. Right. Harlem when they're Hops. doing their sightseeing, yeah. Harlem Hops is on the list. Yes. Yes. Of historic and modern places. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a blessing. It's uh, definitely at this point is bigger than us. And we continue to nourish it and, and, you know, look forward to growing and doing other things. As in opening another venue? Yes, as in opening another venue. Oh, wow, wow. (laughs) So with all the other things that you have done in your life, your focus now is solely Harlem Hops, correct? You're not doing maybe other event type things? I do events. That's still my bread and butter. Oh, okay. I just have to balance, you know, every day. It's like, you know, you spend half of your day working on this business and the other half of your day working on other business. And that's just how we have to do it until... I don't know if I'll ever stop doing events. I love doing events. You know, it's 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 definitely been something that I'm really, I've been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, does Kim Harris ever do nothing? I like to think I don't do anything, but I, I might just, you know, lay up and lay up in the house all day, but I'm still doing something. But I mean, you know, two or three weeks ago, I went to Martha's Vineyard and I really just, shut down shut off everything and right just, just chilling huh connected with yeah nature and did yoga on the beach and you know just you know you have to find moments of which you focus on yourself because you have to nourish yourself and put into yourself to give to others oh absolutely and i i try to balance that as much as possible like i'm not at the bar every day anymore i was at the bar every day but we have an amazing manager brendan general manager and you know, he keeps this ship going and it allows us, Kevin and I, the opportunity to continue to build our relationships in the industry and focus on our goals. And Stacy's not here in New York. She works um, from home in Atlanta and she's actually having a baby right now as oh. I'm speaking. <laughs> oh my gosh. She's at home in Atlanta, but she does a lot of our marketing and our HR and our social media. 
and she works from home. She has a, a regular job as well. And then she has her own event production company. So she has many jobs, you know, like, and I think for me, I look at her and I'm like, she does, I mean, she's about to be a mom. I don't, I don't even have kids. So I'm like looking at her, like you have, like, you can do so many things and she makes me feel like I should do more, but I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be crazy. Like you said. Well, it sounds like you do plenty. What do you feel when you look back over your life and your career? What stands out to you? Um, I, I think what stands out is that I've never been one to settle. I'm always pushing for the next thing. So once I've accomplished one goal, I'm ready for the next one and, and setting more and more goals for myself. And I look back and I see that I've accomplished them. And now I, I'm finding myself learning to appreciate, take the time to appreciate the success that I've already accrued. But it's, it's you know, when I look back and realize that there was a lot of no's, a lot of failures that necessarily weren't, they weren't really failures. They just didn't pan out the way I wanted them to. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm hard on myself because I'm like, okay, now, you know, now you have a momentum going, just keep going and going, but I have to appreciate that those things happen for a reason. And I had to learn from those eras to be where I am now and not look at it as failure, you know? Right. Right. But, but, um, Definitely, I look back and realize that I've come a long way. You know, I've come a long way from, you know, who I was as a little girl. My parents, they were able to see my pa- my dad passed away a few months after we opened the bar. But just to be able to have an opportunity for him to see, I remember telling them, I'm going to open up this beer bar. And they looked at me like, I don't know how you're going to do it, but okay. nothing would surprise them based on your track record exactly so they're like okay and then when they see it like my dad was so proud and my mom is consistently like she's like my biggest cheerleader she's always happy for me and just having that and having parents that have, have always been supportive of you know of the crazy like I'm doing this thing and they're like okay you know and not telling me or forcing me to get a job and do certain things just trusting that I can use my intellectual property and always succeed in in whatever it is that I accomplish as long as I'm focused and determined on doing it. And also use your creativity. Yes, yes, yes. And your drive. Yeah, the drive has to be there. And, you know, as a person of color, it's hard to have that in your head because it's generational. When you have generations of people that have suffered from being Black, that gets into your into your DNA. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I had the fortune of being encouraged and seeing successful Black people surrounded by successful Black people that allow me to know that I can do this too. Like they exist. And not, that's one of the reasons why it was important for us to be in our own community because we wanted to show the youth that there are Black people that are successful and they figured it out on their own and they were able to really, you know, raise their own money and, and, and use their own money to do this and everything's possible. You know, I came from that neighborhood and I came back and gave to the neighborhood. And that's one of the things that we ask of our scholarship of recipients to make a commitment to their neighborhoods when they finish school. Tell us how you would come back and improve the neighborhood that you came from. And that's exactly what I did when I got my scholarship going into school um, when I was 18 years old. And that's why 
it's a goal for me to continue to grow and do more for my neighborhood, bring more money and businesses to my, I'm a, more jobs to my neighborhood, just so everybody can succeed in the future. Yes, paying it forward. It's just been a real pleasure meeting and getting to know you. What a strong sense of self, although I say this all the time in my conversations with women, this drive, this belief in yourself. And yes, there are times that you must feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill and it's you're never going to get to the top. But between resilience and drive and and feeling I need to do this, that just speaks volumes. And I hope that other young women are aware of what you have done and follow in your footsteps because you really are a mover and a shaker and it's empowering. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that, Sandy. Thank you. And it's not anything unless it's helping somebody else to me, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want all the, I don't want all the glory. I want any of it. I just want somebody, I just want to encourage somebody else because I was encouraged. I looked at my mom, you know, throughout the her years of working and always wanting more and striving for more and got to the point where my mom worked for the, you know, mass transit system. And I remember in high school, her picture was like on all the train stations. <laughs> and like my friends would be like, oh my gosh, your mom is like on. And I'm like, she was like a celebrity, at, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to us at that time. And like, I just watched her struggle to get to that point. And when she got there, I was just like so happy for her because she was wow. happy. That's all she wanted to, you know, achieve. And she set the bar for me. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. Right. No, no pun right, intended. <laughs> right. But yeah, right. Exactly. But yeah, she set the bar for me. You just have to have that positive reinforcement surrounding you to get you to to be at the place I am. And I just want to encourage other people. I just, before I got on this call, I was talking to another Black business owner and she wants to open up another location. And I remember when she couldn't, she couldn't fathom the idea of being successful with her first location. And now she's working on her third. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's always, you know, you always have to encourage each other and know that it's a leap, but you'll figure it out. Well, this was really a delight to meet and get to know you. And I, I'm really excited for all that you do and please keep us in your loop because we can always do a part two. If there's something that you want to share down the road, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and learn about what this, what we are over here doing. And um, hopefully you guys can come to Harlem Hobbs 2268 Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard and I, heart of central Harlem. Well, what I can do is I can come to Harlem Hops and I can gorge myself on pretzel bites and Bavarian pretzels. Okay. As long as you serve me water, um, I'll be (laughs) fine. (laughs) I think I'm going to find a beer for you to uh, enjoy. Oh, well then make that your mission. Kim Harris, thank you so much for sharing your passion and your life with us. It's really been a pleasure to meet and get to know you. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you too, Sandy. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.